0: Hello, hello, hello! I am your Carla Hall, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz, and welcome to In yo Mouth.
1: In Your Mouth.
0: I'm the queen of food, who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh talk. God,
1: that's good. I wanna know
0: what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Your Mouth. I got the goosebumps. <laughs>
1: Because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today.
2: Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home
0: isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the Mostis Munoz. And folks, I have had, or I should say, I had a very, very exciting day last week. I mean, I am still gagged by the food excellence I was surrounded by and privy to be a part of one Michael Twitty, the cooking gene himself, asked me was in the city you know working on a special project and asked me to meet him for drinks, you know at some place fancy, and so we're sitting there we're we're saying hi, we're Kiki and we're doing the most and who just happens to walk up was the one, the only chef Kwame onche, and I literally almost pooped my pants i i couldn't believe that I was in the presence of these two great food people just like leading the charge in their own very specific ways in the food world especially with food media Uh, what a special night I am still reeling big things I guess are in the works I mean the universe is just throwing things at me and that's about it. You know, we are barreling ahead towards August. And I am so excited for today's guest. I have to shout out my good gal pal out there, Chandlee Borges of Gays Gotta Eat for The Connect. She is my biggest cheerleader, or at least one of my biggest cheerleaders cheerleaders. I love her so much. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only Oliver Chipkin. Say hi. Hi. How are you guys? (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for giving me of your time on your very, very busy schedule. Happy to be here. Yes, I am happy to have you. Well, Oliver, before we get anywhere in the grand tradition of in your mouth, I need to wish you happy National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day.
2: Oh, National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. I can go for some cookies right now. Yeah, I
0: am. Oh, yeah, like these cookies? What? <laughs> 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 Listen, the cookies are the cookies are fresh and ready and in the window. <laughs> I am I myself am a cookie monster. I don't know about you.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. What what kind of cookie are are we talking here?
2: Hmm. I love anything with peanut butter. I really like peanut butter, but I think maybe I'm just a dog. I don't know. But um, uh, let's see. <laughs> Into pop
0: play, I see. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And sugar cookies. I don't know. I just I can just eat those all day. <laughs> yeah. Do we have a favorite cookie shop in the city? Cookie shop. Um, there's one near 14th Street. I just forgot the name of it. Uh, is that a crumbs or is that a? Yeah, it's 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 a chain. It's definitely like. Like uh, insomnia. Insomnia. That's the name. That's the name. Those chocolate chip cookies are amazing. Insomnia makes a good cookie. And so I am part- very particular to a like
0: double chocolate, like a chocolate 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 cookie. You yeah. know, give me like all the chocolate all yeah. the time. Go big or go just home.
2: Yeah. Yep, just not in the bedroom. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> that is to be avoided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many chocolate, I mean, there's so many cookie places uh in the city that uh even there even there's this guy, have you seen him on Instagram, my cookie dealer? And like the cookies are like a pound. They're like really thick. Oh my gosh, a pound? Yeah, there's like, something like that should... or half pound or something. It's something <laughs> crazy. I'm making things up maybe. You know what I mean? But there's this like there's this guy on the internet called My Cookie Dealer, and I think he like ships them out and they're legit cookies. I don't think they're edibles, even though that's legal here now in New York State. Right. But um <laughs> they look they look delicious. Well, no matter what you celebrate out there, I think Oliver and I are absolutely here for <laughs> National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. That is a good day. I am I'm like Excited. And Oliver, did you know that on this day in gay history, in 2011, President Barack Obama signs a proclamation ordering the State Department to bar from entry into the United States anyone who has engaged in oppression against various groups, including those defined by sexual orientation or gender identity? I did not know that, but thank you, Barack. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. That was um that was a really interesting tidbit. I mean, I don't know a lot of this gay history, and this is kind of why I do this for myself and for others, you know, got to keep got to keep it fresh and in the kids' minds here, but like this little tidbit was like pretty much yesterday, you know, even though it was 10 years ago, but like yesterday.
2: Right. Wow. I mean, I'm not surprised. Barack was amazing. <laughs>
0: Yes, we we are Barack stans.
2: Yep, yep. I I miss him every day. Funniest yes. president we've had.
0: Yes, for
2: yeah, sure. I mean, like he, he can he can make a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And you know what? Barack could eat. Barack and Michelle yeah. were forever eating. I would have loved to have been like Barack's personal chef. That would have been amazing.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Oh my good. Oh my what goodness. Me, uh,
2: Barack, <laughs> this morning.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, like, uh, Brock, what would you like? Walmart, you know, I don't know what you call them. Yeah, like, what would you like for breakfast? Do you like a soft scramble? You know,
2: <laughs> he strikes me as a grits kind of guy. I feel like he'd like grits.
0: Grits? Yeah. I. You know what? Grits. I'm weird with grits because really? grits sometimes are too gritty.
2: Yeah, you got to get them right. You got to. Yeah, because
0: people don't know how to do it.
2: Yeah,
0: well, I do. Well, Well, we're going to get into that. A great segue. Shout out to you, President, former President Barack Obama. And let's get to the getting on. In your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably already do, Oliver Chipkin has always wanted to be a chef. Ever since, he was eight years old. After formally being trained at the prestigious Culinary Institute of America, he moved to New York City to pursue his dreams. After losing three jobs during the pandemic, he decided to start his own business. Uptown Culinary Creations, UCC, is a passion project which offers many services including catering, a line of gourmet jams because it must be jelly if jam don't shake, private tasting events, hands-on cooking classes, and more. Since starting the business in 2019, he has launched a successful Kickstarter for the line of gourmet jams, which is now in the process of Expansion, has had uh, has had hosted or has hosted hello cooking classes out of his home kitchen in Washington Heights and has menu development projects in the work in the works for local businesses yes, yes <laughs> yes, 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 but let's start at the very beginning you know a Julie Andrews and talk to me about this want, this want and this love of cooking or this need to or being inspired, you know, to cook at a young age
2: of eight. Yeah. I mean, it it started like, it stems all the way back to my childhood. My mother is by far like the main reason why I'm into cooking and why I love food so much. Um, because when I was a child, uh, she used to take me to all kinds of restaurants and, you know, between me and my older brother at the time, uh, you know, I was the more adventurous one. I, would, I was the one who would go with my mom and try anything, you know, between sushi, Japanese, Thai, Indian, whatever. And in fact, when I was eight years old, my mom used to take me to Indian buffets, like everywhere. <laughs> Every time we would go to a new city, she would take me to an Indian buffet, and it was like our thing. Like we go to a new place, we'll try an Indian food, and, you know, we'll talk about what we like, what we don't like, but it was there where I really developed like my passion for food, because I, I like even like Indian cuisine is so complex, so incredible. There's like infinite options, infinite sauces, infinite curries, and I don't know. I just got fascinated by it, and you know, I think, and and not to mention, of course, I got to cook with my mom in the kitchen all the time. So, and, and my mother, she's handicapped. She was born with polio, and she is by far one of the most capable people I've ever known. She she does like a thousand times more than I do in my regular life. Um, She's amazing. She's a court reporter. She's very accepting, uh, an incredible person all around. Um, But yeah, I mean, cooking with her in the kitchen, you know, making stuffed shells and chicken parmesan and lasagna. For some reason, Jewish people cook a lot of Italian food. I don't know what that's about. But (laughs) you've just taken me on a (laughs) grand
0: journey here, Oliver. And I love everything about it. Now, I mean, you just said you don't know why Jewish people cook a lot of Italian, but yet there seems to have been this penchant for Indian food. And yeah. I mean, God bless all the moms out there, or Allah bless, <laughs> Ganesh bless, universe bless, whatever we believe in, right? Um, bless all the moms out there who, like, really hold hold it down and and, you know give us the opportunity to explore and, you know, you know, like I've just, I I always just want to shout out to the moms and the dads who are present, right? Because there's a
2: lot of dads. Yeah, it's proof that it can make a huge impact in a person's life. I mean... I'm sure that my mom never thought I was going to, uh, you know, she never thought I was going to be a chef. She probably thought I was going to be an actor or like a scientist or a lawyer or something. But, you know, it's, it's really it, the roots. It's all about the roots. It's, it's where you're raised. It's what you're introduced to. It's your surroundings. And, you know, for, for me in particular, my mom is the reason. She's the reason I went to culinary school, the reason I love food, the reason I, I love playing with food, just being in the kitchen. There's nothing like it. Yeah, what's your earliest, like, cooking memory? Ooh, that's tricky. I would say my my absolute earliest would probably be when I was, like, four years old, before my grandmother, unfortunately, passed uh, to cancer. Uh, she passed at a very young age. I must have been about four when she passed. So I barely really remember her. But I just... I have this this tiny little memory of being at her house with these beautiful flowers, and I just remember her teaching me how to cook eggs just showing me you know how to stir with a rubber spatula you know like you know using her hand to kind of guide me but like that stems all the way back that's probably my first memory of of food but i i really feel like it you know my hand's been in the kitchen since i was you know since i could breathe pretty much yeah i mean
0: and growing up in like you know ethnically grounded households like Like a Jewish family households, Italian family households, things like that, that are centered around cooking and around the kitchen. You know, it's not surprising uh, whatsoever. And it's so funny that you go to that you went to culinary school, and that grandma, not grandma Yetta, right? Uh, Because I have a deep obsession with the nanny. I love the
2: nanny. Oh, Yetta (laughs) is amazing.
0: Yetta is (laughs) everything. So, yes, Yedda is an icon, a a legend, (laughs) an icon, and the moment. But I digress. Um, It's so funny because I hear more often than not that, like, when you enter culinary school, you know, eggs are, eggs is the thing that they, like, kind of teach you to cook first, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm kind of traumatized by eggs, to be honest. (laughs) Um, Because you're right, Uh, especially at the, you know, the Culinary Institute, uh, a big part of our education is... Uh, egg mastery. In fact, uh, they say in a lot of fine dining kitchens and a lot of Michelin-starred restaurants uh, that if you can cook any egg perfectly, you can cook anything. It's a well-known yeah. quote. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who who initially, probably Anthony Bourdain, I'm sure. But, uh, you know... It, it really, really does uh, make a huge impact in the quality of, of culinary skills. Why is that? Let the audience know. Give,
0: yeah. Or let's give the audience some insight into why why the incredible edible egg is is like the, the goalpost
2: here. Right. Uh, well, most people just think of eggs as, you know, as simple. You know, you have them scrambled or fried, but there's like a hundred different egg techniques that you can use. And uh, especially in fine dining, uh, you know, it really comes all down to the science because the truth of the matter is no one egg is the same as the next. And that's simply just how biology works. And because of that, its interior structure actually uh it varies it varies every time you cook an egg it's going to be slightly different so the the trick the the culinary technique, so to speak is to essentially find that uh the niche find you know you have to kind of adapt to the egg and you know find a way to to guide it because in a in a weird way it's like uh it's like any difficult thing in life, like a relationship. You have to be gentle with it, you have to be careful, you have to know what you're doing. Experience definitely helps. Yeah. <laughs> you got to lick it before you stick it, right? <laughs>
0: you put I mean, that was that was the that was the, la, the last analogy that that was <laughs> left <it>. to say. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> <laughs> you got to go tend to your to your mans. Hold on, yeah. you'll be right back.
2: <laughs> up, I need a, I need a quick break real quick. Hold up. <laughs> yeah,
0: is that is is right now a good time for a commercial break for a mid-roll? We <laughs> <laughs> <You> can wait. <laughs> You know what? I'm actually going to insert that right here.
1: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's SleepingDogsMovie.com slash Wondery.
0: Oh my God. Hysterical. Well, you know, I, I've always said, I like eggs from my head down to my legs. Um, I've got a song for everything. Um, yes, yes, yes. Come through Dr. Chipkin with the, with the egg science knowledge, teach the children. And you know what? A lot of people, a lot of people actually don't know that. And I find yeah. that fact the most interesting, right? Cause I've heard it, you've lived it right. And I've, And for as much as I've been in and out of restaurants, you know, front of house, you know, um, management, serving, so on and so forth. It's something that's just known in the biz, you know, um, that like if you're coming to cook in some place, fine dining, one thing they're going to ask you to make is, you know, a French Mm -hmm. omelet or or something like that. You know, I was obsessed with uh, for a very long time with watching Jacques Pepin on YouTube make uh, French omelets. And trying to, like, perfect it.
2: Yeah. I mean, in in most uh, fine dining restaurants, in fact, that is what will be the difference of whether or not you'll get hired. In fact, you'll come in, you'll have an interview. Typically, you'll you'll tour the kitchen. And, you know, a lot of, like, old-fashioned chefs, especially, like, the older French ones, you know, with the very classic techniques, um, they will say, you know, pick up a pan. Meet me me on the casting couch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's basically what eggs are in the food industry.
0: The casting and couch. No, we do not support the casting couch in any way, shape or
2: form here on In Your Mouth. Okay? Okay. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you make a perfect omelet, then usually you're hired. But if you can't, then they'll say bye-bye.
0: Uh, amazing! That's that's really incredible, and I mean, I love that. I mean, I certainly didn't bring you here to talk about eggs, and <laughs> but I mean, that's the beauty of kind of uh, of kind of you know getting to know my guests and like where the conversation leads us. I also love the beauty uh, going back to you know grandma and mom being fully supportive, and uh, you attributing. The where you are today because of you know your mother and your grandma, your family, you know, talk to me about family life and growing up, and what like coming out was like for you,
2: yeah, I mean, wow, that's a tough one <laughs> i guess i I always knew that I was interested in boys, um just for the record, I'm gay, one hundred percent oh my Uh-oh. God, wait a minute, what. <laughs> I know.
0: know. (laughs) Am I on the wrong podcast? Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: But no, I I think it stems definitely back to to my youth. Um, But I never really experimented or even really gave myself a chance to think about it until I was almost twenty. I was in college when I was, you know, with the first. Guy. And, you know, I guess until then I never really thought about coming out or, or what that would be like for me. I, I suppose I didn't really allow myself that kind of happiness for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think mostly it had to do with insecurities. I used to be 65 pounds heavier, actually. I lost almost 70 pounds when I was about 17. And yeah, I started running, and uh, I had a friend who taught me everything he knew. And of course, the friend was super, super cute. But anyways, anything, anything for a man. You get listen, bitches out there get
0: dickmatized, and they they are now running and doing the most for some
1: man.
2: I'm not bad, though. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. Um, but no, it, he really was very helpful in my, you know, in, in teaching me how to to properly run, to stay hydrated, how to stretch and, and all that. So uh, long story short, I lost all that weight. And then I went to culinary school and I completely reinvented myself. Um, and I also lived in Arizona for four years. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker and in Arizona, I guess, a little bit. My mom still lives there. So I try to go back when I can. Um, but that's where I picked up a lot of Latin American recipes. You know, pretty much the whole population there is Mexican. So I learned how to make great tacos, you know, burritos, uh, mole, uh, ceviche, you name amazing, it. Like, amazing, all of yeah. those. So I like to cook with a lot of Mexican influence. My fiance is Peruvian, so I cook with Peruvian influence. And, you know, I love Indian food. So my my style is kind of all over the map. All but, over. and yeah.
0: And in this reinvention... You know, when when was the aha moment or the when did you finally, like, kind of let go and let yourself out and, like, come out? Because, you know, I can't imagine that, and we talk a lot about this here on the podcast, too, you know, about kitchens and kitchen culture being hyper-masculine, toxic, you know, the toxic masculinity. And to be a queer person in in the kitchen, especially, right. you know in this self-discovery mode and then coming out, you know, like what, what was all of that like?
2: Yeah. um, Well, you, you kind of hit the ball on that. Uh, The, you know, the food industry is pretty cutthroat. Um, Anyone who's been in it or knows someone in it knows that. Um, And yes, it is a very masculine uh, based career. Um, Something that never really scared me before. It had nothing to do with who I was, but it just, it's something i always wanted to do so i suppose it was worth the challenge um but all through culinary school uh i was in a class filled with probably 90% of like these masculine like muscle jocks that uh you know they they all kind of like stuck together like a sports team and i never really fit in with them i definitely felt pretty excluded at times uh, in fact, that's, that's why I chose not to go back and get my bachelor's degree, uh, which was my original plan after moving to the city, because I, I don't think that I was as happy as I could have been. And, you know, it, it was definitely difficult for me because I, I never really truly felt like I fit in. And don't get me wrong. I had friends in different classes. You know, I had yeah. friends all over. Um, but, you know, I never really fit into the class that I was with and it was unfortunate because some of these people were very talented and i'm sure are going very far in life of so course we'll, of course and then
0: and then like through that yeah. struggle and through that like feeling not fitting in when was like that aha moment like right. when did it like when did it turn over and get better because you uh, the the person sitting in front of me right is doing right. all the things right the glow up is beautiful yeah. right and in, in your mouth listeners Go, go to the Instagram, right? Look at the face, right? She's cute, right? So, like, wh- when when was that aha moment to be like, ah, you know, this? Like, when so, did it turn?
2: It's a funny story. Uh, so, I actually came out in front of 100 people. Oh. There <laughs> gonna, we go. That's what I was looking for. I was <laughs> getting there, but I just wanted to kind of give you some context.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh,
2: <laughs> so, basically... It was in my second year of culinary school. Um, I had already been part of the, um, the LGBT um, club at school, at, at the culinary school. Um, I was there as an ally. And I think the secretary at, at some point, you know, just to take notes for the meetings and whatnot. But I had a lot of friends, like I said, that were in the community. Um, and you know, I had just started experimenting and kind of solidifying who I am and figuring out what I like and don't like and all that. Um, because at first I actually came out as bisexual. So here's the story. I was in the LGBT club as an ally, a straight ally is what they thought I was. Um, and they had what was called, uh, a queries. So queries was a, um, an event that they put on for the school, essentially a board of different people, different sexualities, different backgrounds, all of them sitting on chairs, and people can come and anonymously submit a question to have it answered um, in the audience, and somebody of that sexuality or sexual preference or identity uh, will essentially pick up an answer, and they'll, they'll answer it as best as they can to their knowledge to educate people. So it was a really good cause, and I kind of got to this point where, like, I wanted to break free, kind of like the Queen song, "I want to break free." Yes, yes. Uh (laughs) yeah. We can't sing any more. We can't sing any more of it. I don't have the money for the rights. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sorry, not Queen. My bad. Uh, (laughs) So basically, they were having this event, and it just happened to fall on National Coming Out Day at the time. And I spoke to the president of the club and only the president of the club the night before. All my friends didn't know. Everyone that was going to be there didn't know that this was going to happen. And I took talked to the president and I said, hey, um, can I, like, come out and, and sit on the panel tomorrow? Because I think that it would make it easier for me to come out. And she was like, uh, hell yeah, that's going to be awesome. And so basically I came out. And, you know, there was a line of people and they, they built this closet, right? And they opened the closet and people would walk out and say, hi, my name is blah, 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 and my sexuality is blah, blah, blah. And so I just got in line with the rest of the people. And some of them were looking at me like, uh, what's going on? And then, you know, other people had no idea because the people in the audience were just there. Um, and so I came out and I said, hi, my name's Oliver and I'm bisexual. That's what I came out as at the time. Um, and I sat down at that time, all my friends who were there were just like, what the fuck? Like, what happened? And then, uh, but everyone else was like, awesome, cool. But no one knew that I had come out. So I sat on the board and at one point, um, the question was asked, what's your coming out story? And the president of the club directed it to me and I stood up and I said, so fun fact, I actually came out five minutes ago through that door and I got a standing ovation from everyone in the audience. It was like a hundred people. And yeah, that was kind of that. And then from that point on, I I slowly came out to everyone else who who didn't know, who wasn't at my campus. And uh, later came out as gay because I realized I had a different idea of what attraction was.
0: Yeah, of course. And A, thank you for sharing, right? Because that is that story is incredible, right? Um, I loved yeah. <laughs> I loved also what I loved about your story, and we hear a lot of these stories on this podcast because they're important and all of our stories matter. Um, but what I love about your story is that it is it is literally encompasses what this entire podcast is about at the crossroads of uh you know being queer, being LGBTQ and food. Like literally you just married those <laughs> things and you were like by the way, I'm going to make you some eggs and I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or at You're the public, time, shit. and I'm bi, you know? <laughs> so yes, yeah. thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. You know, any of Mouth listeners if you haven't heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a million times at this point. All of our stories matter because we never know who's listening. And we don't qualify stories here on the pod because everybody's glow up. Everybody's journey is different. And we never know who we can touch and affect by that. So... Big shout-out to you, Oliver, for sharing your story so freely and so beautifully with us and the audience, with me and the audience. Right now, I think it's the perfect feel-good moment to take you out to my favorite part of the pod and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call...
1: This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
0: Food news update! Food news, Food news. Oh, honey. You ain't ready, oh, girl. It's it's the tea. news update. This pasta house doesn't want immunized patrons. Boo. Have you heard about this? No, I haven't. There is an Italian restaurant out there that if you have the vaccine, they don't want you in their restaurant. What? Where is this? You know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can't be New York.
0: Full on tomfoolery and nonsense of it all. So thank you to the Washington Post for this article. But feet from the door of Basilico's Pasta e Vino, the signage makes clear who is welcome at the homey Italian restaurant and who isn't. Notice the memo reads, proof of being unvaccinated required.
2: What? Unvaccinated? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Wow. So... uh, Although the Red Sauce Joint isn't really trying to check diners' coronavirus vaccination statuses, the owners of the Huntington Beach, California establishment have staked out an anti-public health position throughout the pandemic. I mean, <laughs> I I I just don't I the tomfoolery of it all and how and like the the non-belief in science of it all. And just, like, what we went through, like, being locked down, especially in the restaurant business, you having to create a side hustle, like, and pivot and, like, the restaurants that shuttered, you're literally going to sit here and take, like, an anti-vax stance and, like, put all your guests and your
2: workers in danger? That's crazy. And, you know, like... Even when I'm not cooking and when I'm not working on my business, I actually, I'm a server part time as well. I, I serve three days a week in Soho. And so I definitely uh, sympathize because, like, I, I couldn't imagine what it must be like for their staff to, you know, be, you know, to hear that being a public message for the place that they work. Not only would that destroy employee morale. I mean, unless, of course, they, they agree, but I don't feel like many people who work in hospitality uh, who aren't owning something or, you know, like leading in some way, you know, those that, that, that don't fall into leadership positions, uh, it must make them very uncomfortable because their whole day, that's that's all that they're around is people constantly.
0: constantly. and
2: Touching yeah. people's, like, dirty plates, yeah, people's exactly. dirty
0: forks, like all sorts of things, like the germs... Yeah. At, that you receive as a waiter are exponential. Yeah, I mean, if that
2: happened at my restaurant, I'd quit. That's just crazy.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, "Peace out, Cub Scout." I don't know. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm
2: good. That requires vaccination, or or at least that you know, I I can wear a mask and be safe. Like, you know, like let me yeah. let me decide how much safe safety I'm around. Yeah, it's uh,
0: you know what politics politics. Is our as we all know, it, it's just crazy, right? Everybody has a different stance. Everybody has a right to an opinion. Obviously, you know what? Your politics are your politics, but once you start involving other people in that, like I, I have, I have a stance, right? And uh, and I express my stance constantly, right? Because I have a platform. Great, but I'm not sitting here being like. You can't have this, or you can't have this. I certainly right. have my opinion of you for sure, but like, I mean, you're literally you've literally just imposed it all, yeah, you know. And yeah. so, it's just like, you know what, if you want that for you in your life, great, great, yeah, right? That's you, yeah, but that's don't not me, though,
2: you. yeah.
0: So, it's crazy, you know. I saw it. We needed to talk about it. I am not here for it. Boo, boo to you, whatever boo. pasta and vino, right? This, uh, this place doesn't even sound good. Right? Probably,
2: just, probably makes shitty vodka sauce, to be honest.
0: Yes, terrible. <laughs> Ugh, we are not here for this. <laughs> Award-winning sommelier is charged for three New York City arson attacks, including rival restaurants. What? This is big news. <laughs> oh, my God. Here in New York. So uh, thanks to the New York Post for this, but this was everywhere. Um, all, the, all the papers, especially here in New York, are talking about this, that this one-time sommelier of the year was apparently far too obsessed with setting um, these outside dining shacks on fire. Oh, my God. Allegedly. And now he's getting charged this week in connection with a trio of Manhattan arson attacks. Caleb Ganzer is the 35 year old managing partner of La Compagnie de Vins Surnaturels and uh, was allegedly busted for starting a fire at Prince Street Pizza's outdoor dining shed in Nolita. Wow.
2: I, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> That's just insane.
0: I mean, I, l- listen, we never mention where we work we because I also serve here just, just to yeah. like stave off like, you know, any grief, right? Mm. But I've worked at fine dining restaurants with, with loads of crazy sommeliers, right? Wine yeah. people, I think you have to be a little bit of crazy to be a wine person, <laughs> like oh, sure. that far, right? Because they can yeah. be very, very intense. I've met very lovely sommeliers, but A lot of them are super intense and a little bit cuckoo. But, like, I mean, this is a different type of crazy if you, you know, Mr. Caleb, just running around the city, allegedly, you know, setting these dining shacks on fire. And Prince Street Pizza? Who hates Prince Street
2: Pizza? Yeah, I mean, how great is their wine selection? (laughs) Well, I...
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're not even, they're not even, that was good. That was really good. I like that. Um, but like, they're not even in the wine game. I mean, the pizza's delicious. It's one
2: of the best in the city. So it's just misguided anger is what it seems like. Right? Because like, if you're going to take it out on somebody, take it out on the Michelin restaurants, right? I mean, right? At least they're the competitors. You <laughs> know what yeah. I mean? I mean... You're not not competing with, you know, mom-and-pop pizzerias for, you know, Michelin stars. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, that's a little bit... Like, I just wouldn't expect it to go that
0: route. Yeah, and I mean, not that we support any any sort of arson or destruction of property here, but, like, yeah, this just doesn't make sense. The Target, right, allegedly just didn't make sense here. And, um... I think he's uh if if he gets charged with this I think there's just like some sort of issue there because uh, one of the other arson alleged arson attempts was setting a garbage can on fire in on the corner of, uh, down in Soho or something like that as well you know so it's just totally random honestly yeah maybe maybe who knows who knows what it is but like we do not we are not here. At least I don't know if you're here for, for some arson. <laughs> no, his arson is
2: fluid. Like it is a fluid arson identity. <laughs> Listen, the only
0: thing I set on fire is the dance floor right on a Friday night, honey.
2: Okay. The only thing I set on fire is pans.
0: Yes, that's it, you know. Somewhere safe and where it's acceptable. Okay, right.
2: folks. Okay. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and last but not least, Lay's potato chips messes with our minds by releasing Cool Ranch Dorito potato chips, huh? Cool Ranch Dorito,
2: like Doritos in the name, Cool Ranch Doritos, Lay's potato chips. It's in the name, that's in that. Wow. Wow, they just went for it, huh? Yeah, why don't
0: you just like wrap your mind around that in your mouth, listener? (laughs) That is just a
2: lawsuit waiting to happen, I feel like. (laughs) Oh my
0: God! So, um... Lay's uh, has been joined at the hip, thank you Food and Wine News for this, uh, as Frito-Lay since merging in 1961. And only now is the company doing something that's been sitting in front of them the entire time. Merging some of their iconic snack brands with Lay's potato chips. So billed as Lay's um, brand new innovative twist on the classic potato chip, the brand is launching two new mashups. Lay's Doritos Cool Ranch, and Lay's Wavy Funyuns Onion. Funyuns Onion, wow! I mean, I wonder what they're gonna taste like. <laughs> well, hopefully they taste like Cool Ranch Doritos, but in a Lay's potato chip, or like a Funyun in like a in a rigid.
2: Yeah. I'm just chip. trying to like picture it because you know the Doritos are so much like thicker and the Lay's are like thinner. I'm there like, is uh, something about a thick. Triangle Dorito that I love. Yeah, there's something that you just you cannot substitute into into something else. Is a Dorito a potato chip? Probably not. I I, I mean I mean I would say it's probably a corn chip.
0: Is it? I I, I don't know the ingredients of Doritos. I have to have my producer here, bag. right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah now, I'm, now I'm gonna go to the store and get a bag just to find out.
0: Well, we also <laughs> have the internet. Um, oh yeah. That <laughs> so, the <laughs> corn vegetable oil. Thank you. Look at okay. this corn. Corn is the first, you're right, right? Oh, corn is the first ingredient uh, on a Doritos bag, right? Chef intuition, <laughs> yeah. Cheddar cheese, MSG, okay. delicious, buttermilk, Romano cheese, whey protein, onion powder, seasonings, yeah. Okay, so you're right. You are very right with this. That a Doritos is a corn chip, not <laughs> a potato chip. How old were you when you
2: discovered that Doritos <laughs> is not a potato chip? You know, I just I think that you just you, especially when you're a chef, you know, you you get a taste for certain things. Like the texture of corn is just simply different than the texture of potatoes, and you know, like you you learn to get the the signals in your brain. They just you know they they just know. Yeah, you just know they, the certain. They
0: just things. know. So yeah. now we're getting a potato <laughs> version of a Cool Ranch Dorito or okay, a funyo. So,
2: so it is kind of new in the sense that it's a different vegetable. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're Come okay. through, Dr. Chipkin, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you've gotten an honorary PhD from In Your Mouth <laughs> University. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll be looking forward to the certificate. You're you're welcome. <laughs> I think I think we are here for it. And with that, that is the most perfect way to end. Food news update. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was hysterical! But my, mo- I'm still gagged. I am still <laughs> gagged. That like Doritos is a corn chip and not yeah. a potato chip.
2: Wow! 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 You,
0: the more you know. Do, 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 do yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so talk to me about the inspiration for uptown culinary creations and all' because you're doing the most with it, and
2: it seems to be going well, yeah, um so there's there's a lot going on. you guys can definitely check out my Instagram it's at uptown culinary Creations. Um, And you'll see right at the top there that we have uh, lots of different offerings. We have catering. We have uh, a line of gourmet jams, including one uh, keto-friendly jam. It's a raspberry ginger, and that one is really delicious. Um, Raspberries. (laughs) Oh, rest in peace, Carol Channing. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I also do uh, cooking classes out of my home kitchen in Washington Heights, uh, so if you are anyone who wants to learn how to cook and, you know, impress the crap out of your friends, uh, I'm the guy to teach you. So let me know. But basically, we do a lot of different things. But uh, I've been focusing primarily during the pandemic on the line of gourmet jams. Um, I launched Why jam? jam? Well, I actually fell in love with the jam making process in my culinary school internship. I did my culinary school internship uh, it was a four-month internship in the summer, in between my two years at culinary school. Um, I did it at a, at a luxury resort, a dude ranch in Wyoming. Yeah. Of all places, I just That's I wanted a, to go somewhere that. That sounds kind of like, hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wasn't I wasn't out yet, but there were a lot of hot cowboys. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Saddle up. Uh, so, anyways. <laughs> But um, yeah, getting off track now. <laughs> it's okay; it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but no, uh, so I learned how to make jams there. It was high end American food, um, and it was just one of many, many things that I made. But I just realized how simple and delicious the project the project was, and uh, I guess I fell in love with jam making and realized, you know, that that can come with infinite options. So. During the pandemic, as catering slowed down, I decided to launch my own line of gourmet jams. I have four different flavors. I have a chutney-style pineapple mint, and that's really delicious, made with uh, guanabana nectar and mango nectar. Um, I also have the keto-friendly raspberry ginger, like I said, uh, an orange clove, and I am totally blanking on the fourth one.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, they sound delicious. And uh, you know what? I'm a little upset because there is none in this kitchen.
2: Okay. Well, I'll have to send you some samples. It's Hello. Strawberry the other it's one was cinnamon. strawberry cinnamon.
0: Strawberry cinnamon. <laughs> Delish. Delish. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really incredible and really interesting. And do you find that, like, the market for jams are is really just thriving or is there a hole in the market? I just never think of, I love a good jam. You know, right. but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like jams are 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 we I feel like it's very European, you know, because mm-hmm. like you'll wake up in the morning and have like your coffee and some toast with like jam and cheese or something. Right. 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 We as Americans uh, like haven't really adapted that sort of culture.
2: I mean, some. So I think that, you know, it depends where, um, but I mean, especially where I grew up, like people eat jams, I mean, not necessarily gourmet jams, but you know, there are usually some on the table, Uh, you know, whether it be just like a simple strawberry jam or, or something else, but... I find that uh it is it is a pretty um enjoyable option to have with a lot of different things because it's not uh it's not only for breakfast, it's also it can go on sandwiches, it can go in uh you know in yogurt, it can go uh in, in any infinite number of things. Use it as lube. <laughs> Maybe except that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: too but much not.
0: too much citric acid. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to burn I'm not trying to burn your region, you know. <laughs> Don't mind me, I'm ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Listen, maybe I need to be like a jam stan all of a sudden and and really explore because I do love a jam. Maybe for the holidays you need to release like a jam and the holograms.
2: Like Ooh, see what I, I like, did there? Yeah. Be like Christmas tree scented jams. Oh no, that doesn't sound delicious. I'm just right, but people do eat pine. Yeah, they do. Uh, There's there's some weird things that can go into jams, but uh, yeah, I definitely will think on a a seasonal one because I do I do want to add a couple more flavors. But so far, I mean, you know, it's all it's all been going well. And uh,
0: that's really really incredible and so inspirational just to see, you know, the hustle and. so many of us lost so much work uh, throughout the pandemic, and we're still recovering. We're still... People forget now that we're outside and things are seemingly normal again, right? They're not, and people are still struggling, and restaurants are short-staffed, and people still have pivoted and are still trying to make money any which way that they can. And so, seeing your glow-up is just really beautiful, how you've pivoted and how the success is
2: flowing for you and what a yeah. blessing that is. Thank you. Thank you very much. And, uh, like I said, I'm also doing some menu developments. I actually have a meeting tonight, uh, with, uh, the owners of Boulevard 93 in Queens and, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be doing some things for them. So, you know, everything,
1: everything yeah. in its
2: time, you know, yeah. uh, anything else
0: on the horizon, let the kids know what's next. So, <laughs>
2: Catering. More jams, some menu yeah. development. What else? Actually, I have a few big uh, weddings that I'm catering this month as well and next month. So amazing, amazing. What's oh, what's amazing.
0: before we close out? What's like your your number one hors d'oeuvre? Like if I'm calling Uptown Culinary Creations, this is a <laughs> must-have. Like canapé. Yeah,
2: um, I have so many good ones, but I would say my favorite is your favorite the...
0: child is okay.
2: Uh, I make a roasted butternut squash uh with a handmade pesto sauce, toasted pine nuts, and cumin seed
1: mm. It's mm. really light
2: and seasonal and fresh, and it just highlights all of the you know the bright natural flavors uh of herbs and summer. <laughs> I love all of that, yeah, it sounds tasty once yeah.
0: again, none of it 's in my kitchen, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send. I'll send someone right now. Listen, listen. I'm. I'm a master
2: of like the Catholic Puerto Rican guilt, right? So, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'm familiar with Latino guilt and Jewish so, guilt. So. Yes, I mean
0: they're almost they're almost one and the same. We just the, the approach yeah. is a little different, you know.
2: One has one has more uh, more bulging eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, what a fun
0: day And a fun afternoon with you Oliver, I can't thank you enough For giving me uh, some time Out of your busy schedule Just to kiki with me and laugh with me And you know, just to connect And and, and you know I want to welcome you uh, Into my big gay food community Because this has been really, really special Before we close out, give the kids All the Instagram handles where The website, tell them where they can find you all the things.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, my, my website is going to be www.uptownculinarycreations.com. Um, my Instagram is Uptown Culinary Creations. And if you're so inclined to follow my personal, it's Oliver Chipkin. So you can find me there. Okay, amazing. Yes, yeah, slide into his DMs,
0: but be careful, y'all. He He's has going. a fiance, right? We don't need anybody knocking on on your door, honey. Okay. Yeah, no,
2: no. I've been there, done that. No, thanks. Yeah. See. All right slide in
0: respectfully okay with consent (laughs) thank you oh my god i'm so stupid Uh, (laughs) what a great day folks we are fully into august i hope y'all out there are fully enjoying these last weeks of summer right get out there wear your masks y'all we're we're back I hope, you know, we never left the washing of the hands, but, like, really wash the hands, because Miss Delta Burke variant over here, she's coming in large and in charge, and so we really need to take care of each other. Go get vaxxed if you can. You know what? Or or, or if you're an anti-vaxxer, stay the hell home. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I, want, I want everyone out there to be safe, happy, healthy, so we can just move past this moment, and, like, you know party we need to we we need we i want to hug more people you know and not be terrified doing that and that's that's how i'm gonna leave it today folks and as always thank you for listening to in your mouth